Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to SOJC Radio. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching the doctrine of Christ to the whole world. Good evening and welcome to Friday Night FOJC Remnant Gathering. Grab your Bible and your pens and your paper and when two or three are gathered in his name, the Lord is right here with us. So thank you for joining us and here's Brother David. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the September 29th, 2023 edition of the FOJC Remnant Gathering. I am David Carrico, and for the next hour, we're going to be studying the Word of God. We're so glad to have everyone on board for the study this evening, which is going to be entitled, The Duty of the Sealed to the Holy Ghost. As always, we have a lot going on, and uh, we have a lot to pray about. And we want to announce our October prayer thon, October 30th, 6 p.m. It'll be on our Underground Church, FOJC Radio channel. And send in uh, your requests for the prayer thon. Uh, make sure you have prayer thon uh, in the subject line so we can keep that distinct there. We'll also be taking live requests, prayer requests out of the chat that evening. Uh, Sunday night, we'll have the conclusion of our Atlantis Trilogy on our FOJC Radio Rumble channel this week on Sunday Night Live. And just a lot going on. It's a popping here, and we want to keep it popping here at uh, FOJC. Uh, prayer requests for this evening. Uh, Joe Caruso Sr. is having physical issues. We want to remember him. We also we want to remember Rebecca for healing. Mark's wife, Amy, has stage 4 cancer. And we want to certainly pray for Amy. Isabel is struggling. And she needs help in the realm of uh, finances. Carolyn needs healing. And... Uh, is suffering with after effects of COVID. Heather is pregnant and has cancer. And John is having constant neck pain. And he gets choked very easily. We also want to remember uh, Tim and, uh, or no, excuse me, Mike and Tina out in Montana. Mike has had a heart attack and uh, he's recovering from that and uh, we certainly want to remember Mike and Tina out there in Montana so let's go to the Lord in prayer Father we do thank you once again for an opportunity to come before you in prayer 
Lord, we want to lift up Mike and Tina to you. We're thankful, Lord, for Mike's good progress. Just heal and strengthen him in Jesus' name. And just mightily bless that family. Also, for Joe Caruso Sr. and Rebecca, they both need a healing touch. In Jesus' name, just let the healing anointing of your Holy Spirit be upon them both. In the mighty name of Jesus. And also with Mark's wife, Amy, that's struggling with cancer. And Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask you to intervene with your, with your mighty power. Lord, we want to pray for Isabel, that you meet the needs in her life. And also for Carolyn, who's struggling with the after effects of COVID. And Father, we just come against that, that ugly monster in Jesus' name. We also want to lift up Pre- Heather, who is pregnant and also suffering with cancer. Father, just heal that body and give her a safe delivery in Jesus' name. And also for John, that is suffering with constant neck pain. Father, we know how how painful and disruptive that is. And we just pray right now that your healing touch be upon him in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, we want to pray for this broadcast tonight that your word will go forth in clarity and truth and that you will touch those that need a touch from your word. In Jesus' name, open the hearts that we might receive that which is from you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and we agree. Amen and amen. Worship the Lord for just a few moments. And we'll be back with our study for this evening, The Duty of the Sealed to the Holy Ghost. We're sorry, but because of copyright rules, you cannot hear my music. However, if you want to hear the message in its entirety with my music, you can join us on the radio page on Friday night for the live audio broadcast at 6 p.m. Central Time, or you can listen on our podcast page at fojcradio.com. Here's Brother David. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. The duty of the sealed to the Holy Ghost. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, that's a warning, isn't it? It's a very serious warning that we need to understand and take heed of, that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit because he is our seal under the day of redemption. Adam Clark had this very appropriate comment on it. He said, even those who have already a measure of the light and life of God, both of which are not only brought in by the Holy Spirit, but maintained by his constant indwelling, may give way to sin, and so grieve this Holy Spirit that it shall withdraw both its light and presence. And in proportion as it withdraws, then hardness and darkness take place. And what is still worse, a state of insensibility is the consequence. For the darkness prevents the fallen state from then being seen and the hardness presents it from being felt a warning against lapsing into such a state that we no longer feel the Holy Spirit's prompting and we're no longer moving 
according to the dictates of his leadings and his convictions. Brother Clark goes on to say, The Holy Spirit in the soul of a believer is God's seal set on his heart to testify that he is God's property and that he should be wholly employed in God's service. A big amen to that. And as we study this subject, which is such an important one that we have looked at many times, we're going to look at it this evening from the aspect of what's our responsibility. We're warned not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, and we have responsibilities there, obviously, and we're going to be looking at the responsibility of the seal to the Holy Ghost, because it's certainly very important, isn't it? In Revelation chapter 7, this is the very imminent importance of the seal. Revelation 7 and 1, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their forehead. And the seal that is being put on God's end-time remnant, and there's only one end-time remnant, those that have the doctrine of Christ and keep the commandments of God, that's the only biblical remnant there is. And this is for the purpose of supernatural protection from demonic powers. Um, R.H. Charles is the author, the translator of my favorite edition of the Book of Enoch. And he also wrote a commentary in the Book of Revelation. And he had this comment to make on this scripture. And he certainly right on. He said the sealing is to secure the servants of God against the attacks of demonic powers coming into open manifestation. Now, this is the thing. We're fighting against demonic powers now, absolutely. But they're going to come into open manifestation. He goes on, the satanic host is about to make its final struggle for the mastery of the world. In the past, their efforts had been in the main been restricted to attacks on man's spiritual being and had therefore been hidden, invisible, and mysterious. But now at the end of time, they are to come forth from their mysterious background and make open war with God and his hosts. Open war. You know, it's, it's, and you know that, that's so true. It's been spiritual, and it's spiritual right now. But we need to understand they're going to be coming out of the closet in a big way. They're going to be coming out, coming at us. We've talked about this a lot of times. And what's going to happen to people that aren't sealed, they're going to go into this time without the supernatural manifestation and the protection of the Spirit of God. That's why this is so important. And being sealed you know um in in the scripture in second corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21 and 22 the scripture says here now he which establisheth us with you in christ and hath anointed us is god 
who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. And it is the Holy Spirit that seals us. And we are sealed. When we are born again, we receive that seal. But the sealing of the Holy Spirit is not something that is stagnant. It is something that operates throughout our life. The sealing of the Holy Spirit is maintained in a relationship whereby we are obedient to the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And one of the fellows that we're going to look to for one of our counselors throughout this study is Richard Sibbs. And Richard Sibbs was one of the Puritans from the 1600s. And he is certainly, uh, he wrote a lot about this. And he was someone that he didn't just write it theoretically. And, well, the Bible says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're sealed when we're saved. Okay, that's good. But the sealing of the Holy Spirit is something that we are to be aware of throughout our Christian walk, that we have a seal and a protection against the things of the evil one. And we must understand what our responsibility is to the Holy Ghost in that sealing. And Brother Sibb said this. He says, now that which he had spoken of more generally in the word establishing, he unfolds in three borrowed terms, anointing, sealing, and earnest. And the work of the Holy Spirit in establishing us, that means that you you come to a point where you reach a stability, you reach a maturity to where you're no longer up or down. You maintain a plane where you can function in the kingdom of God. And he says the graces of the Spirit are called anointing because anointing strengthens. Just like when you've got pain and you have a little liniment or a little ointment to rub on your pain, it strengthens you. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. It will anoint you, and it will strengthen you. And he says, the ointment makes the joints of the body nimble. So this spiritual anointing, it oils the joints of the soul. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm nimble. I'm nimble. And you've got to be nimble and quick on your feet because every day Satan is going to throw stuff at you that you don't you didn't expect. You didn't see it coming. You got to be nimble. You have to be anointed. You have to have the oil of the Holy Spirit to enable you to see these things coming and to to adjust quickly. And most importantly, that seal of the Holy Spirit Brother Sib said, Now all that are Christ have the stamp of the Spirit upon them. There are desires wrought in them by the Spirit of God to that purpose, and a spirit of sanctification that makes them every way like Christ in their proportion. We have that Spirit that drives us to desire to be more and more like Jesus. This is our sealing, and this is are anointing. And in the scripture, whenever this is lost, a person goes from being the friend of God to being the enemy of God. And more importantly, they go from the place where God is your friend to where God is your enemy. In Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 10, 
the scripture says this, but they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore he was turned to be their enemy and he fought against them. What a sad thing to think that it can be a place where God is your enemy and fights against you. That's not where you want to go. But we're talking about a relationship where the Holy Spirit was leading and the Holy Spirit is driving you toward that stamp of Christ. And when people do not cooperate with that and they ignore it, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. And this can end up in totally fatal consequences. There's a responsibility of those that are sealed by God to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit. Because as I've said many times, you're just like the old Ford. You can overheat, you can blow a seal. In in Psalm chapter 78, Psalm chapter 78, and let's look at verses 40 and 41. And the scripture says this, how oft did God reprove him in the wilderness and grieve how oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. This talks about the wanderings of the children of Israel in the wilderness. And the scripture tells us that they worshipped the star of Remphan, and they worshipped Moloch. I mean, my goodness. There when the Lord was trying to lead them and to take them in where he wanted them to go into the promised land, they had to worship idols. And Brother Spurgeon said this, The wilderness was a place of manifest dependence. That is what we want to get from this. We are in a place where we have to depend on God, and we are coming into a season where we're going to have to have manifest dependence. We are soon, and there's a parallel. In the book of Revelation, it talks about the woman being fleeing into the wilderness there in the 12th chapter. This is a spiritual paradigm that is reflective of the spiritual wanderings of the children of Israel. And at that time, there was an absolute dependence. They depended on the Lord for everything, and he met their every need. And we are coming into a place of manifest dependence, and only by obeying the Holy Spirit and not grieving him are we going to be able to walk through this wilderness. Brother Spurgeon goes on. He said, where the tribes were helpful, helpless without divine supplies, yet they wounded the hand which fed them while it was in the act of feeding them. The Lord was reaching out to help them and bless them. They bit the hand that fed them, so to speak, and they thought they, they could worship idols and bring about their deliverance by their own means. Brother Spurgeon goes on to say their provocation had an effect. God was not insensible to them. He is said to have been grieved. His holiness could not find pleasure in their sin, his justice in their unjust treatment, or his truth in their falsehood. We are living in the desert where we need our God. Let us not make it a wilderness of sin by grieving him. And that's where the pedal hits the road right there. We're either going to walk out this road ahead of us, in independence upon the Holy Spirit, or we are not. And there is so much that is taught and propagated 
as Christian experience that is far below even what is normally accepted. Jesus said if we're lukewarm that we're spewed out, but yet in so many places if you were anything but lukewarm you'd get thrown out. And the thing that we must realize is that the Spirit of God is not going to take second place. You're not going to be able to have other things run your life in the Spirit of God at the same time. And this is where so many people uh, check out. And they're they're going to say that, you know, this is just some kind of uh, unbiblical standard that is not capable for us to maintain. But this is possible. The Lord does not ask us to do anything that he will not empower us to do. And there is victory in Christ. A lot of people, they don't even preach victory. But there is victory in Christ because when the Holy Spirit is sealing you, he puts the stamp of God upon you where you want to do what is right. You always do what you want to do. And this is something that is made easy when the Holy Spirit is directing our desires. Now, Brother Sibbs said this on page 431. He said, There is nothing in the world so great and sweet as a friend that will do us so much good as the Spirit if we give him entertainment. Indeed, he must rule. He will have the keys delivered to him. We must submit to his government and when he is in the heart he will subdue little by little and little all high thoughts rebellious risings and despairing fears will be doused and as the Holy Spirit works within us that's exactly what we'll do he's got a rule and when the Holy Spirit is leading us to do something or not do something, when we do not yield to that, the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. There are no other sons of God other than that. I want to read that text. I'm going to turn to that in Romans, the 8th chapter and the 14th verse. And we're talking about a relationship with Jesus. And this relationship with Jesus, it comes through the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And we have to come beyond the point. Um, it was after John Wesley failed horribly. He, he did his first preaching before he was born again, and he came into Savannah, Georgia, and he failed miserably. It was just painful, he said, how bad it was. And on his way home, through a lot of reflection and study and prayer, he realized he wasn't born again. And he became born again underneath a street light in Aldersgate in London, uh, one of the old street lamps. And then things greatly changed in Mr. Wesley's life. But we're talking about a people that are going to understand that we must be led with the Spirit of God to be the sons of God. We are the sealed of God. And we have a responsibility unto that. And we've got to have that daily relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's more than just an intellectual understanding. Well, I was born again. I was sealed. That's good. That's fine. But how about right now? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We have a responsibility to the Holy Ghost to give him the keys and let him drive.
And this is scary in a lot of ways. It really is. Because one of our greatest desires and one of our most carnal aspirations is to be in control. And literally, that's what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do, is to hand him the keys and let him drive. That's absolutely right. And it's certainly okay for him to do so, because he is God. In Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17, and as we do this, there's an amazing thing that we see in Scripture, in Second Corinthians, the third chapter in the 17th verse, it says, Now the Lord, and you, you notice here that's capital L-O-R-D, now the Lord is that spirit, capital S-P-I-R-I-T, the Holy Spirit is God. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We do not experience free will until we experience it in the ability to obey the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And this is what real liberty is. We have liberty over the flesh. We have liberty over the world. We can choose that which is right and good and refuse that. And we do it all on the basis of the promptings and the leadings of the Holy Ghost. In the book of Acts chapter 5, and we, if we think of the Holy Ghost as anything less than God, now the Lord is that Spirit, and if we think of Him as anything less than that, we do not think of the Holy Ghost properly. In Acts the fifth chapter, and beginning in verse 3, but Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. God is within you. And God is leading you, and he is not taking a vote. He is prompting you with the wooing and the leading of the Holy Spirit. You will either obey and go in to deeper levels of victory, or, as Brother Clark warned, you will grieve the Holy Spirit, and insensibility and darkness will begin to set in. And after a while, it'll get so dark you can't see. And after a while, you get so insensible that you can no longer feel the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And always, it is those spirit, those sins that grieve the Holy Spirit more, that are pride, that are envy, those spiritual things that really destroy the body. This is the responsibility of the seal to the Holy Ghost that we are constantly aware that we are the sons of God led by the Spirit of God and the great Holy Ghost of God that is sealing us against this coming demonic onslaught. Every time we feel the promptings of the Holy Ghost within us, we should be so thankful that God loves us so much and cares us so much that he has sealed us with the Holy Ghost of God and he will not let anything break forth on this earth until everyone that is to be sealed will be sealed. I believe God has a number. And of course he does. He knows the exact number that will be sealed before the shoe drops. And one day the final saint of God that's to be sealed will be sealed. And then literally 
all hell will break loose and things are going to change so dramatically. What was once a spiritual struggling, there's going to be things in people's face that literally people's hearts will be failing them for fear. And Richard Sibbs wrote so much on the ceiling that I'd done a lot of reading into Brother Sibbs, who was one of the Puritans. He is a counselor that I will take. you got to be careful when you pick your counselors, but I will take that man. He was a man that not only really, he was a brilliant man, really studied, really, really studied, but he also was someone that lived it. When he was talking about the sealing of God, it wasn't something from just an intellectual perspective. It's something that he lived out. And it's something that he would stand upon his convictions and he would not conform and integrate with apostate religious systems because he knew that that would grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, In a Puritan theology by Joel Beck, he talks about Brother Sibb's teaching on the sealing. And he said, the ceiling that Sibs wrote about was a process. It was the kind of assurance that could increase gradually throughout our lives by means of singular experiences and by daily spiritual growth. We should, when we've been saved five years be much more discerning on this than the first year we were saved. We grow in grace and we grow in our ability to hear the voice of God and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. There's growth in that. And like uh, and like Brother Spurgeon said, it will increase and it will increase until it will overtake those things that are unpleasing to him and those doubts and their fears until we can walk in that full anointing of God. We're going to be in, and it's always that place, but we're going to have to know so. We're not going to be able to think this or that. We're going to have to know this or that, do this or that. We're going to have to be led by the Spirit of God. And instead of this being some kind of a high goal that no one could attain to. This is the normal Christian life to be directly led by the Holy Spirit. And as we're going to see, this is how Christ is the head of the church, how he builds the church, and how he builds the body together in a true unity of purpose. Uh, This goes on to say, this ceiling had degrees. It could grow with spiritual maturity. The Spirit sealeth us by degrees. As our care of pleasing the Spirit increaseth, so our comfort increaseth. Our light will increase as the morning light unto the perfect day. And we are sealed when we're born again. And as we follow the Lord in obedience, that ceiling will increase and grow as we mature in the Lord and we're able to understand more and more how to walk out our life by pleasing the Holy Spirit rather than grieving Him. And what we're talking about here, we're talking about the preparation of the bride. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 6, 
or verse 7, it said, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. We make ourselves ready by walking daily in obedience to the prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit that is within us, which is our seal. And when that does not happen, what results is just like the old Ford, you can blow a seal. And whenever you go against the promptings of the Holy Spirit, those two things, darkness and insensibility, will begin to creep over you. And after a while, when there's something the Holy Spirit convicts you of, and you do it, and you run over the prompting of the Holy Spirit over and over, guess what's going to happen? There'll be a time where you'll be able to sin without any any feeling of guilt. And boy, that is a frightening, frightening, frightening thing. And this is not what we want. We've got to understand that as the sealed of God, the, the Lord has promised us so much. Just like the children of Israel were led in the wilderness, he will lead us into the wilderness once again. And when we are absolutely helpless, then he will be our help, he will be our guide, and he will be our victory when the very host of hell are literally looking at us with their eyeballs. Uh, Brother Sib said this, and this is a writing. He did several writings on the ceiling. And in volume five of his works, he wrote a long uh, study on a fountain sealed, he called it. And he says here on page 434, seals serve for confirmation and allowance. To that purpose, measured measures are sealed. When you put flour in a bag and you seal it up, that's for a purpose, isn't it? It's to keep it safe and it is to preserve us. And the same with the sealing of God. It will make us nimble, it will it will make us strong, and it will it will also preserve us. And in the scripture, God is said to seal instruction. God is said to seal instruction. And in the book of Job, chapter 33 and verse 16, it indeed does. Then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction. There are so many people, and indeed the mass, and I know that so many of us have sealed that instruction that we have set according to John chapter 3 and verse 33 and this scripture here from Jesus himself this shows us that sealing is something that we participate in if we want to be sealed against this coming onslaught of hell we're going to have to cooperate we're going to have to cooperate with the daily promptings of the Holy Spirit and in John chapter 3 and verse 33, Jesus said, He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. Have you received the testimony of Jesus, the doctrine of Christ that we talk about constantly? If you have received the testimony of Jesus as the ultimate revelation of God and as absolute infallible truth, you have set to your seal that God is true. 
because the Father sent the Son. The Father gave the the Son the words to say, and when, when you receive the testimony of Jesus, you set to your seal that God is true. But there are many people that have a seal, and I hope they have a seal, but it's lacking the instruction that has been sealed, instruction sealed in their heart. And when you get that, you no longer walk through life as a reed blown in the wind, like John Baptist said, you're no longer looking to this doctrine, that doctrine, this man, that man, but you've set to your seal that Christ is true. You have that instruction sealed within you. And this is our cooperation in the sealing of God. We have to set this to our seal. And there's other things that the sealed of God are responsible for setting to their seal. And sealing instruction is certainly a very, very important thing. In John the 14th chapter, in a scripture that we read so much and we can't read it enough, John chapter 14 and verse 26, but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. If you set the testimony of Christ to your seal, you will set the testimony and then the Holy Spirit will bring those things of Christ to your mind. You'll be a focused individual. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. In John sixteen thirteen, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of Truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth each and every day, not just the truth of Scripture, but the truth of what you should do each and every day. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. Yes, he will. We can be led with the Spirit of God, we can be the sealed of God, and we can know each and every day that the Spirit of God is leading us and that we are being obedient unto him. There's something Brother Sibs here said in so many things, but this really resonated with me. I spent probably about the first decade of my Christian life in a conservative Pentecostal church, and I saw this so many times, but... Brother Sibbs said this. He said, It is a dangerous grieving of the Holy Spirit when instead of drawing ourselves to the Spirit, we will labor to draw the Spirit to us. Now think about that for a minute. It's a dangerous grieving of the Spirit when instead of drawing ourselves to the Spirit, we will labor to draw the Spirit to us and study the Scriptures to countenance in us some corrupt course and labor to make God of our mind that we may go on with the greater liberty. When men get to themselves teachers after their own lust, as many do, especially if they be in place, Ahab shall not want his four hundred false prophets. Now, so many times, and I've done this, you know, I confess I've done it, and I've seen it. It's standard fare. But when people go into a Pentecostal service, they'll want to open themselves up to the Spirit. They won't be thinking, now, what do I got to do to draw closer to the Holy Ghost? What is there in me? 
that I need to change to have the Spirit's presence, but always they want to draw the Spirit to them. That is dangerous, and what will happen is that you'll attract spirits that are not holy. His first name is Holy, by the way, and he will not lead us in a way that is not. So, man, that made so much sense to me. On, on page 416 of this writing, Brother Sibbs said this, He says, we cannot but make the Spirit of God in us in some short ashamed to think of our folly in leaving the fountain and digging cisterns. And he goes on to say that that this is following the pirate. I love that, that you're going to follow the pirate. He says, in leaving a true guide and following the pirate. Now, I love that. Now, so many people today, you know, a a broken clock is right twice a day. And there are so many people that they're right about certain things, but they're pirates. They don't have the gospel right. They don't have the message of biblical holiness right or repentance right. Don't follow the pirate. Now, Richard Sibbs, he's not a pirate. He's someone that preached the real gospel, he preached the real Bible, and he taught people to live that obedient life. Anyone that doesn't do that, they're a pirate. And this is what people will do. They'll leave, and you see what this does. When you, when you follow a pirate that does not emphasize holiness, and this is the real dividing line. The Bible says, without holiness, no man will see the Lord, but yet those that preach holiness, they're looked at like uh, some kind of, and they'll call you, you you're a Puritan, you're some kind of Puritan. Well, yeah. Um, in Jeremiah 2.13, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. So what if you got flat earth right? If you're a pirate and you're not teaching how to walk in victory and holiness, you're a pirate. What if, you know, so what you're right, if you don't have the gospel right? You know, that's the thing. Is the gospel in place? Is holy living in place? Is consecration to Christ, to the doctrine of Christ, the commandments of God, if these not things are not in place, you're following a pirate. You know, and I love, I am so glad that I have many people that aren't pirates. Richard Sibbs is one that I count as a good counselor, not a pirate. And there's some, there's been a lot of good men and women of God that can be godly counselors to us. But today, I'll be honest with you, uh, outside of the immediate group that I associate with, I don't have time to listen to pirates. Until I hear the commandments of God and the doctrine of Christ, uh, you're nothing but a broken cistern. Who cares how much you learn about this and that, or about chemtrails, or about whatever. If you don't have the gospel and the sealing of the Holy Spirit right, you're looking at Blackbeard's pirate crew. That's what you're looking at. Now, in the book of James, people need to quit following the pirate. Amen. In the book of James, in the book of James, the third chapter, and we're going to look at the 17th verse, and the scripture says this, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, 
gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now there's a bunch in there, isn't there? And this tells us, you know, there are things that will come through our carnal mind and there are things that will come through our carnal desires and then there's the wisdom that comes from above. And how do we tell the difference? Right here it is. How do we tell the promptings of the Holy Spirit from the promptings of the flesh? But the wisdom that is from above is, number one, pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Thomas Manton said on this, on this text, (laughs) <laughs> this is so good. And it's just so just so plain common sense. But he said, True wisdom is a pure and holy wisdom. It excludeth filthiness. <laughs> yeah, it excludes filthiness. Filthiness is not allowed. And when you've got something coming that's filthy, well, guess what? Guess where that's coming from? Not that hard, is it? Isn't that hard at all? No, it's not. It says the pure principally those that believe the pardon of their sins in Christ and are renewed by the Holy Ghost. This is not an abstinence from sin, but a purging of their consciences and a washing of their bodies in the fountain opened for uncleanness. And that's how we tell. That's the first big clue, isn't it? And if it's coming to us, and if it's pure, and if it's peaceable, this is coming to us from the from the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now, Richard Sibbs said this on this text. Who will thank himself well entertained into a house when there shall be entertainment given to the greatest enemy with him? And think about that. When the Holy Spirit comes into your house, and you entertain his enemies in your heart and in your mind, how do you think that makes him feel? And I always think about, (laughs) and I always, the, the analogy of Christmas. You know, on Christmas, you're celebrating supposedly Jesus' birthday on the birthday of Baal and Lucifer. How do you think that makes him feel? And how do you think the Holy Spirit feels when he has come into your heart, he's God by the way, he's come into your heart, he will daily take time to lead you and deal with you in the right way, and then you entertain his greatest enemy. Something to think about, isn't it? And shall see more regard had, and better countenance shewed to his enemy than to him, when the motions of corrupt corrupt nature are more regarded than the motions of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, going on with Brother Sibs. Hates hypocrites, being painted sepulchres, but as a spirit of purity, hates foul livers, hates foul-mouthed speakers and open sepulchres. They cannot therefore but much grieve the Spirit that feed corrupt lust and study to give contentment and pay tribute to the flesh. Now, Let's think about this just a little bit in thinking about the way that 
the promptings of the Holy Spirit are discerned from the promptings of their flesh, and it's first pure, and it's then peaceable. And in the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter and the 11th verse, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. The peaceable fruit of righteousness. The fruit of righteousness is peace. And that doesn't mean that, boy, we're not going to have battles, but we can have peace in the midst of the storm if we will just fight correctly. And something that we have learned so many lessons on is that there are some people that you can't live at peace with and there's some people you don't want in your life. And when they're, and it, it's up to you who you let in your life or not. There are so many people that want, they want to push themselves into your life. And if you let them in, they're going to bring nothing but absolute chaos to your life. It'll be anything but peaceable. And that's the thing. And that's the barometer that I hold out to people. We have some really great friends that bring great peace and joy and unity and laboring from the Lord. And But in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 18, if it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And the only way you can live peaceable with some people is just not to be around them. And you don't have to be. Um, and uh, I want to pray for Brother Cecil and Sue too. Uh, you know, there's, uh, I'll just say this, they've got some trolls working on them. Got some old trolls coming in, wanting to disrupt that peace, but you just keep them out. You know, you just keep them out. And this happens in every life of every child of God. The devil will come in to sow confusion in your life, and he will use it so much by sending in people to just bring chaos into your life. And that's my barometer. Everyone that you know, you can put them in one column or another. This person will either be a blessing to you, and to be around them, they will draw you closer to the Lord and your walk with Him, or they will deter you from it. They will be a distraction. They'll bring in chaos. And that doesn't mean that it's you don't want to... Uh, that people that have problems, sure, we that uh, you know we're not talking about that. We help people with their problems as we can, but you know what I'm talking about. We got to apply the peace standard to people because we've got to have the peace of God. We've got to have the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength, and we cannot have the prompting and the sealing of the Holy Spirit and obey Him. We've got to be able to focus on obeying Him and not the chaos that Satan wants to bring into our life. All right. Well, I'm, I think with that, I'm going to take a break here. And boy, we got a lot more we want to talk about here on this very important topic of the duty of the seal to the Holy Ghost. We'll be back in just a moment. FOJC Radio wants to introduce to our Remnant family the Holy Commission Boot Camp, brought to you by Brother Brett Graham. 
These teachings are the basics or training for brothers and sisters in Christ's service. The Holy Commission is found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Brett shares how we should walk with the Lord in order to accomplish the Holy Commission and also some tips about soul winning. If you have questions about this series, please send them to lastdayschurch at cs.com and put capitals HCBC in the subject line. You can find playlists for the Holy Commission Boot Camp on our Rumble and our YouTube channels. And thank you, as always, for your prayers and support. This is Tracy Vanay from He Walks With Us Everywhere over on YouTube. Knowing the doctrine of Christ is the most important thing in your life, whether you know it or not, as David Carrico says. We are excited to bring you the sound doctrine we need to endure these last days. Our newest original series, Enduring Sound Doctrine, is now airing on my YouTube channel. In Matthew 24, 13, Jesus says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. I like to say it's not a hop, skip, and jump to the end. It's an enduring. We welcome you to come over to He Walks With Us, one word, everywhere, and subscribe, like, and share. And please remember to subscribe, like, and share FOJC Radio's YouTube channel, Underground, one word, church. Thank you for listening to the content that we're presenting, and of course, for your support and your love and your prayers. We hope to see you over there. Hello, FOJC Radio Remnant family. Sister Donna here. I just want to thank all of you for your support and your love and kindness. Just wanted to let you know that here at FOJC Radio, we want to reach the world for Jesus. I know you know this verse. You've said it as a child probably many times. But as a reminder, in John 3, verse 16-17, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In order to do this, we have chosen to use many different avenues We have our regular Friday night message with Brother David. And then we have our Sunday night live. And we have different people on it. And then we have other Sunday night live programs with David and Tracy. Sometimes we're on Rumble and sometimes we're on YouTube. You just never know who we might have on there. But I just wanted to 
remind you all and thank you for your support and give us a listen on Sunday Night Live. These programs usually start at 8 p.m. Central Time. You never know what we might be doing. We're full of all kinds of surprises. We want to reach the world for Jesus. Now back to tonight's message with Brother David Carrico on FOJC Radio. Welcome back to the FOJC Remnant Gathering. And as I always do at the break, I want to sincerely thank each and every one of you that studies with us and that prays for us and that supports us with your gifts and with your kindness. We do appreciate it so much from the very, very bottom of our heart. Thank you so much. Um, a scripture that comes to mind in Proverbs 26:20, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. Ceaseth. So sometimes uh, you just got to put the talebearer up the road, and it's amazing how much the atmosphere improves. Um, in Second Timothy chapter four and three, that text also. Um, it says, uh, Brother Sibbs was talking about this, about don't follow the pirate, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And that doctrine is the doctrine of Christ, which is according to holiness and godliness. But after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And we, it would be remiss, wouldn't it, if I didn't miss the, mention the Enduring Sound Doctrine broadcast on He Walks With Us Everywhere. We had a new episode go up Thursday night, uh, How to Be a Priest of the Most High God. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, that'll be a real blessing to you. There's also a new edition of the Holy Commission Boot Camp with Brett Graham that's up. The Lord is just really blessing that series and blessing bread in that. The people that are um, following that, they're really being blessed and fed. I'm just so thankful and uh, for all that's going on. I really do. The Lord is doing some marvelous things, and we certainly have very, very much to be thankful for. And that's our desire, to let the Holy Spirit break out and to lead and guide and bring us all. Also, I'm very thankful. Uh, uh, I was very thankful the way our new Doctrine of Christ this week come off. Uh, it's called Supernatural Unity. And I really like that. Of course, I would like it, wouldn't I? But it is good, not just because I did it, but because it's the truth of the Lord. And it's uh, just uh, one of them so many very, very important spiritual lessons that we want to learn of him. All right, let's get back to work. There's some more things that we want to cover. And um, I want to read a scripture in... Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 it said and spared not the old world but saved Noah the eighth person a preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood of the world upon the ungodly and it says in the scripture in connection with that in the book of Genesis that his spirit would not always strive with man but there was a period of striving now I want us to and brother Sibs has so 
hit it on the nail on the head, so to speak. But he said this. He said, So the Spirit of God, not in itself, but in Noah, did strive with the old world. And so we grieve the Spirit when we grieve our own or other men's spirits so far as they are sanctified by the Spirit. Now think about that. We have an entire nation and an entire world that is grieving the Holy Ghost by holding back the truth of God. Today, we're all familiar with the censorship and all of the battles that we have fought with it. Uh, We're on our second YouTube channel now. Uh, and you know you're all, all of our regular listeners, you're not unfamiliar with the battle that we face and with the battles that other people face because they don't want the truth to get out. And by doing so, they are grieving the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to get tired of that because he is the Spirit of truth. And in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, the scripture says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And that literally means to suppress the truth. And they want to hold the truth, but they do it in such a way it actually suppresses the truth. Now, boy, um, I tell you what. There's so many church, and almost all of them, you know, they have some truth. They sure do. They, you know, they say, well, the grass is green, the sky is blue, and Jesus is up there somewhere. Yeah, they got a few things right, but they do it in such a way that they suppress the truth in unrighteousness, and the things that really need to be said, they're never said. And all of the censorship and all of the things that comes down from social media, this is doing nothing but grieving the Holy Spirit that is trying to get the truth of God out. And he will. The Lord will get the truth out one way or another. And I believe that every hungry heart and every hungry ear that wants the truth, I believe that the Lord will get it to them somehow. And several years ago, even back before uh, we were working uh, on Internet Radio, we got a letter from someone, and this lady had got one of our books, and she lived on the Chinese and Russia border. And she got our book, and then she came to San Francisco and got saved and led herself and her husband uh, out of the Masonic mess. How that happened, I don't know. But And you know, the Lord sent an army to Jericho to get the truth to that Canaanite prostitute, Rahab. If if someone wants the truth, God will get the truth to them. And uh, it's amazing some of the stories we get about people that find out about our ministry. And uh, it, it's just really confirming to me that that indeed is an absolute fact. Now, Brother Sibs said this, and this is another very, very important thing to think about. The Holy Spirit is grieved... When ye have a corrupt judgment of things, not weighing them in the right balance, nor value them according to their worth. 
when we esteem any knowledge rather than divine knowledge any truths but truths that concern Christ when men look upon grace as contemptible and prefer other things above it make a tush at holiness give us say they gifts and parts alas what are all gifts and parts without a gracious heart this happens when people will esteem the lies of NASA over the truths of the Word of God. We're talking about priorities. When people will follow after pirates that are fast talkers that will leave out the very most important fundamental things of the Word of God. And we have to be able to prioritize what's really important. And that's exactly what Brother Sibs is saying. We've got to have a spiritual priority list and we have to have a priority list in our life. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 10, that ye may approve things that are excellent, you see. And do you know what the greatest enemy of things that are excellent are? Things that are good. The devil will give you all kinds of good things for you to do to keep you from doing that which is excellent. Now, something I realize that if I'm going to accomplish that which the Lord has for me to do, I've got to be focused and I've got to be disciplined on my time. The way our week is going this week, and I thank God for it, Wednesday night, I taped the DOC. Last night, I taped a midnight ride with John. Here I am today right here. Tomorrow night, I'm going to be taping an Enduring Sound Doctrine with Tracy. Sunday night, I'll be there with Brother Brian on the Rumble. I've got to approve what is excellent. There's a lot of good things I could be doing, but if I do not study and I do not pray, I will not be able to do what the Lord wants me to do. We have to approve what's excellent and not give up that which is excellent to do that which is good. And it's just like the apostles said that we cannot leave the Word of God to serve tables. We have to focus on the Word of God in prayer. And this is a must. In each and every one of our lives, you have to understand what is excellent. It is excellent to keep the gospel in front of people. It's excellent to build the word of God, the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In Second Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, every thought to the obedience of Christ. My goodness. Now, vain imagination goes in a lot of directions. And the way a lot of vain imaginations go is in believers and the work that they have to do for the Lord. Um, the Lord can, we, we can all do all things through Christ which strengthen us. 
But it would be a vain imagination for me to think that if I would just pray and fast till my pants fall off that I could play in the NBA. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. I'm not going to play in the NBA. And a lot of people have the same unrealistic expectations on what their role in the body is. Instead of somebody conforming themselves and finding their place in the body, they have these crazy ideas in their head that's nothing but vain imagination. I've seen this repeatedly. And people like that wind up doing nothing. They do absolutely nothing but entertain their own fantasies. And so much of this comes from pride. So much of it comes from pride and just an overestimation of ourself. So don't let vain imagination rob you of your place in the body of Christ. Now, Brother Sib said this. On page 414, he said this. The best of us are prone to grieve this Holy Spirit. Everybody needs to say amen. What use were there else of this caveat? We carry too good a proof of this in our own heart. Jeremiah 17 and 9 said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who could know it? And everybody says amen because they think it's talking about everyone else's heart but theirs. But no, we have a desperately wicked heart. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts. And the only way we can please him is to be constantly aware of the promptings of the Holy Spirit and living with the word of God in our life. We carry too good a proof of this in our own hearts. We have that which is enmity to the Spirit within us, sin, and an adversary to the Spirit and us, Satan. These joining together, having intelligence and having correspondency one with another, stirs us up to that which grieves this good Spirit. And we must never get to the place where we understand that we can use 1 John 1, 9. In 1 John, let's just read a couple scriptures here. Uh, 1 John chapter 1 and the 8th verse. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. As Brother Wesley said, sin does remain, but it does not reign. And I'm talking about that fallen nature. We will have this fallen nature with us until we leave this old earth and this old body, but it does not reign, but that fallen nature remains. And when it says sin, that doesn't mean you're living a life of habitual sin, but that means that your sinful nature is still with you. And if we don't think that that old man will will trip us up in our thoughts and our deeds. We've got 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In the second chapter, he said, My little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And we must never forget that, that we grow in grace. And in the epistle of Second Peter, in the very last verse 
of the epistle of Second Peter. The scripture says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And the only way you can grow is grace. You know, because if you don't grow in grace, the only option for you is absolute perfection, and that's, that's not possible. So we've got to grow in grace. And as we grow in grace, and as we continue to learn the leading and the promptings of the Holy Spirit, we are going to find more and more victory as we walk out our life with the Lord. In Galatians, in the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter and the seventeenth verse, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Yeah, we're going to have a problem, and our problem is our self. And um, our next enduring sound doctrine that we're going to tape tomorrow night, we're going to dive into the the topic and the understanding of our soul's struggle with itself. And this is a very deep and a profound subject that we really need to think about. This gets to where the tire hits the road. We need to realize that there's a struggle within us, that there is something within us that wants to go against the promptings of the Holy Spirit. But we can crucify it, and we can live in obedience to the Lord. In Romans chapter 8, in the 8th chapter of Romans, and we'll look at verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. If our heart is there, it, you always do what you want to do. And if you have the stamp of the Holy Spirit within you that wants to bring you into sanctification and obedience, you're going to do what you want to do. But if you're in the flesh, you're going to mind the things of the flesh. Now, this is in verse 6. We don't want to miss this. For to be carnally minded is death. For to be carnally minded is death. Now, I know that flies in the face of what's popularly taught that in the grace revolution, that grace covers it all and uh, you're, you're all fine and good to go. But the Bible says to be carnally minded is death, which means that if you resist and grieve the Holy Spirit, and you give yourself over to that which is within us all that wants to go against that, that it'll, it'll kill you. It'll kill you. It will result in nothing but death. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. In verse 13 of Romans 8, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. That says it pretty straight, doesn't it? What does that mean? That means just what it says. Just like it says uh, to be carnally minded is death. For if ye live after the flesh, then ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. You see, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And if you're not, you're not. And to be led by the Spirit of God means that the sealed have a responsibility to the Holy Ghost. He is sealing us. He is guiding us. He is leading us. But we have to be pliable. 
We have to be pliable to be led by his promptings and his leadings, by the the word of God that he brings back to our mind. And we have to also be realistic enough to say that uh, when we miss it, we'll repent and we'll not... Uh, we'll not throw it, throw it out and because we don't want darkness and insensibility to set in, but we will certainly keep walking in obedience to that Holy Spirit. Thank God. Now, Brother Sibs, I want to read a, a couple more things that he said here. Um, and so many things that are so important that we really, really we need to think about. Now, he said this. This grieves the Holy Spirit also when men take the office of the Holy Spirit from him. Hello. That is when we will do things in our own strength and by our own light as if we were gods to ourselves. Now, so many times, and there's a time when people need correction brought to them, and there are so many people and that don't hear the Word of God taught to them, but a lot of times we go beyond that. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin, and it brings growth and correction, and a lot of times people want to play the Holy Spirit's role by trying to bring that into people's lives. I'll give you one example. Years ago, in the early 70s, um, I was in the Church of God of Cleveland, Tennessee, and there was a man there preached a good gospel. And there were people that would get saved there in that assembly. And there was a young man back then, the guys were tended to wear a little long hair. And there was a young man came down, uh, he probably wasn't 20 years old, and he come up, he was convicted of his sin and he come back and he come to the altar and gave his heart to the Lord and as he was going out of the church one of the old goats that that was there one of them old goats went back and actually grabbed a hold of his hair and pulled on it she was there pulling on his hair and going on about him about his long hair I mean really? I mean this kind of I mean Satan has so many dingbats that he will turn loose it's a wonder the Lord can get anything done and I shouldn't say that because the Lord's omnipotent he gets it done but sad to say I never saw that young man again never saw him again and you see we got to be careful we have to bring correction when correction is needed we have to preach the word of God straight and that's why I I want to I want to preach it straight and I want to let that word work itself out in each and everyone's life BT Roberts said that holiness is not a detective but neither is holiness blind there are things that we cannot ignore and you see this is a line that we can only walk through the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly right. And uh, there's no pat answer for each and every situation. And this is something that we really have to take to heart. Let me read that again. This grieves the Holy Spirit also when men take the office of the Spirit from him. That is, when we will do things in our own strength and by our own light as if we were God's unto ourselves. I want to read a scripture from the prophet 
Zechariah. And in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's what we have to do. This is our mission. Should we choose to accept it, we have to be redeeming the time, working as hard as we can to build the kingdom, but we have to understand it's Jesus that builds it. And we cannot go over that line to where we want to play the role of God and build things according to our carnal ideas, according to the fashion of the world. There are so many bad examples of how ministries are built. Um, I remember years ago very well, uh, Jimmy Swaggart was putting up a new building down there on his property in Baton Rouge. And I remember to this day, there was the girders of the building going up, and of course they were wanting to raise money. And the sign on it said, building the kingdom of God. Well, the Bible says the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. And Jesus said, I'll build my church. So sure, we do all that. We preach, we disciple, we do everything. But yet, when we are successful in our endeavors, we will be able to look and see that it's the hand of the Lord that is building the church. In 1 Samuel chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Now therefore make a new cart. And this is the time when the Ark of the Covenant had fallen into the hands of Philistines and they were bringing it back. And it says, Now therefore make a new cart and take two milch kine on which there hath come no yoke and tie the kind to the cart and bring their calves home from them and take the Ark of the Lord and lay it upon the cart. Well, let's build a new cart, and let's put the Ark of the Lord on a new cart. And that's what so many people are trying to do. We're go- they're going to have a new cart. We're going to fashion our ministry about these big super churches, this, that. You know, there, there, there are so many new carts out there that are absolutely unbiblical. They're just like Brother Sibbs said and referring to the scripture in Jeremiah. There's two evils that have forsaken God and they're digging out a cistern that there's no water in it. They've got a dry well there they're trying to drink out of. You can't put the Holy Ghost on a new cart. The ways of God are ways of truth and holiness and obedience. It will not fit upon the cart that modern so-called ministries try to put it on. I think I'm going to read one more verse here and we're going to close. I could just go on and on and on and on. There's so many things that I'm so blessed to be able to have some good counselors that have really lived this thing out and thought it out. Now, one more thing I want to share from Brother Sibbs. And um, he said this. And I want to read 1 John chapter 5. And I want to read verse 7 and 8. And every time I read this scripture, and I think I'm going to read it just more to aggravate the, the Bible critics, 
But they'll say, oh, don't you know that scripture shouldn't be in the Bible? Well, uh, don't you know that it is? <laughs> you know? And First John chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. And we have a witness. We have a three-in-one witness in heaven, and we have a three-in-one witness in the earth. And Brother Sib said this. This degree of sealing in regard of joy hath it decrees likewise. Sometimes it is so clear and strong that the soul questioneth not its state in grace ever after, but passeth on in a triumphant manner to that glory it looks for. Sometimes after this sealing there may be interrupting of comfortable communion so far as to question our condition. Have you ever been there? Have you ever come to the place where you you get you go through that that wilderness and you're questioning that relationship. Yes. Yet this calling into question comes not from the Spirit. Which where once witnesses to us, never witnesseth against us. The Spirit of God will not witness against us. It will always witness for us and be our advocate. But it is a fruit of the flesh, not fully subdued. It is a sin itself and usually a fruit of some former sin. 1 John 5, 7, The three witnesses on earth are spirit, water, and blood, for the better conceiving of which place we must know that the great work of Christ's redemption and justification was typified in the Old Testament by blood, and the great work of our sanctification typified by washing. To answer which types of our sanctification is, I'm sorry, read the line over. Going on, to answer which types, when Christ's side was pierced, there came forth both blood and water, showing that Christ came not only by blood to justify us, but by water to sanctify us. Hereupon blood and water have the power to be witnesses, the blood of Christ being sprinkled on the heart by the Spirit doth pacify the conscience. And this evening, we can sprinkle the water and the blood upon our conscience, and we can let those three earthly witnesses witness to us that that Holy Spirit is sealing us unto the day of redemption. Well, with that, I think we're going to conclude our teaching for this evening. And uh, tomorrow night, can I share a secret with y'all? Y'all promise not to tell nobody. Tomorrow night on the Midnight Ride, it's pre-recorded. You've, a lot of people won't realize that. We recorded that yesterday. So I won't be live, live, live. Uh, it'll be pre-recorded live, live, live. But there will be a Midnight Ride tomorrow night. And um, we'll be back Sunday night, uh, 8 p.m. on uh, Sunday Night Live. And we just got it popping on out. And that's what we're going to do. There's no plan B here, folks. There's no plan B. We're going, we're not going to drag out a new cart here, but we're going to be preaching the gospel. We're going to be walking it out, living it out, drawing closer to him and loving one another. And it just keeps gooder and gooder 
as we go along. So with heartfelt thanks to each and every one of you, let's just close out in a, in a little word of prayer. Father, we do thank you so much for this opportunity once again to share your word. And Father, we just pray that we know we can preach the word, but you have to open the heart. So Father, just open the hearts to all those that would hear this message. And we just pray that it will abound to much glory in your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and we agree. Amen and amen. God bless you all. We're going to see you right back here next Friday night, 6 p.m. Central, on the FOJC Remnant Gathering. Thank you for listening and joining in fellowship with us here at FOJC Radio Remnant Gathering. You can contact us at FOJC Post Office Box 671 Tell City, Indiana 47586 or you can email us at lastdayschurch at cs.com or you may call us at 812 812- 836-2288. You can check out our website at www.fojcradio.com. Thanks and God bless. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.